Coming up this week on the Smitty Amity Show, we are joined by the voice of the Buffalo Bisons, Pat Malacaro. Plus more baseball talk as the regular season nears. You're listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. It is the number one mediocre sports talk show on the airwaves as voted by two guys in this studio. Smitty and Mitty. The Smitty Mitty Show brought to you by Goldine Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton at Sunlight Financial and King Carden. Life is brighter under the sun. Co- under the sun. The sun. Speaking too fast there, Mitty. Speaking too fast. This show comes your way live today from the Smitty Mitty Show studio, and we got a lot to talk about. Baseball is back. We'll join by Pat Malacaro, the radio voice of the Buffalo Bisons, in just a little bit, and more baseball talk throughout the course of the next hour here. Check out the Smitty Mitty Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That is S-M-I-T-T-Y and S-M-I-T-T-Y Show. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and on the YouTubes. Make sure you follow us all around. We'd love to see those numbers go up. We'd love to see some communication. Send us some DMs. Send us some Twitterish Twitters. Twitters are DMs. Yeah. Are they all DMs? Well, you could just tweet directly at us. Oh, you could, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Mm. So we can communicate in the public forum. Mm, So that everyone can see what we're talking about. Yeah. So that maybe other people can get involved and we can have just a general... Let's bring Twitter back to where it was a kind place. I don't think Twitter's ever been a kind place. There must have been one nice thing said on Twitter. When the first nice guy signed on and he was like, hey, this is going to be great. And then two Look what Twitter's turned into. And then they ruined him. He was ruined. It's a great place. It's the place I go to get all my information. I'll give him that. I usually get all my information first from Twitter before it shows up anywhere else. That's the secret is you have to only follow people that are going to give you the Ken Rosenthal's of the world that are going to give you legit information. Only people you follow. You can't look at comments of things either. Mm -hmm. The problem is all of a sudden I've been stopping and like uh, the suggested tweets. It'll be something about Ukraine or it'll be something about um, a vax mandate or something. And I'll stop and read it quick. But then it just keeps doing it because it knows you stop and read mm-hmm, it, yeah. right? And then I get lost in looking into the replies, and I see some of the genius people that are on Twitter. A lot of geniuses A there. lot of genius and experts on Twitter. Top 10 follows on Twitter for baseball this past week with all the news going down. Jeff Passan, John Morosi. Do you follow Bob Nightingale? You're a Bob yes. Nightingale guy? Yes. He's there sometimes with the news, I think. Breaks some news. Well, you can't not follow him. Ben Nicholson-Smith, our guy, got to give him a follow. How many am I at? Four? Did I say top ten? I'm never going to get there. <laughs> One more Shy DeViti from I'm kind of waiting Sportsnet. to see where you're going to go with this. <laughs> I got to follow Ben Nicholson-Smith, Shy DeViti to finish off the top five. You there. know what I do like? I do like shooting uh, David Sampson a follow. And even though he is very pro-owner, he also knows a whole lot about front offices because that's what he did. He was a front office uh, executive for the Miami Marlins and for the Montreal Expo. So he understands what's happening, especially during the CBA. I get it. 
he goes off the rails sometimes, but he's a good follow. Everyone that goes off the rails is a good person. It's very heart. important. You I go think. off the rails sometimes. It's very important for people to follow and to uh, read their opposite ideas. That, like, don't just get stuck into what you're comfortable with. You got to see the other side as well. Let's talk about those Blue Jays quickly. Huge trade happening er- earlier in the week. We're going to talk about it. Even though we said uh, earlier, maybe it was in the podcast. I don't remember that. Hey, we're going to talk about some guys. They're probably going to get traded. A lot of them did. Uh, the curse of the Smitty Mitty show. Everything happens as soon as we're done. So there's something else that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But for right now, before this goes there, something's going to happen. For right now, Matt Chapman is a Toronto Blue Jay going to be holding down that third base spot. Four prospects going the other way. Um, Kevin Smith might be the only one that you've actually heard of. The first round pick from last year um, is also going over to Oakland. Yay? Nay? It's a yay. It's a yay right away. Um on paper, if you don't know anything about Chapman, you look at his stats, you think that we gave up four guys for this, right? Four guys for a guy that last year hit, what, 210, barely bad his weight, struck out over 200 times. Um, I think he finished with 21 home runs. Um, if that, it doesn't look good. But what you're getting here is a guy that is a three-time gold glove, two-time platinum glove winner, one-time all-star um, he is going to hold down the Ford at third base and do exactly that. He is not necessarily going to win you ball games by giving you extra runs, although he will. He'll run into, I, I think, at Rogers Center, he might run into 25, 30 home runs this year, but he is going to save you runs. And that is the big thing. Playing third base, he will save you a ton of runs this year. Platinum gold or platinum glove winner. Platinum. Uh, he has something, it's some dumb stat like he's only five runs saved behind nolan arenado but he has over a thousand less innings something stupid like that he is a phenomenal defensive player and that was in oakland where the foul territory was the size of the ocean and when he did hit balls hard sometimes they just went off the wall because the walls was so far away in oakland in that uh, ballpark that is definitely made for pitchers so his offense is going to go up he definitely had a bad year offensively you know who else did Marcus Simeon. You know who else did? Josh Donaldson. Guys who come to the Blue Jays tend to turn it around. Guys who come from Oakland tend to turn it around in Toronto. That's uh, Toronto has burnt Oakland more than once in the trade uh, department. Yeah, I think it's a little too early to call this a um, successful trade. But right away, early on looking at it, this is a good move for the Jays. One that I think they needed to do. I know a lot of people in God forbid, as soon as I say this, as soon as I produce this show, something is going to happen. Everybody early in the week was gunning for the Freddie Freeman sign. I don't know if it was necessarily the best move for the Blue Jays. Obviously, it would have been, been, been a good move. And But I think this move actually makes a lot of sense for Chapman at third base. And what it really does is it sure as heck solidifies that left side of the field. right? Now, that is a strong infield. Now, let me ask you one more thing. Because Ken Rosenthal tweeted almost immediately after that trade that the Jays are still heavily in on Jose Ramirez. Heavily. They want him to play second base. Um, It's going to cost a lot. Manoa is an asking price. I don't think they're going to get Manoa, but it could cost you one of your big two prospects, uh, maybe a Groshans, maybe a Pearson. Would you rather them go out and do that? Switch batter, really cheap. He's going to uh, play a good second base for you. He's quick. He adds you some speed. Switch hitting is huge. 
Or would you rather them go sign a lefty if it's Brad Miller, if it's Eddie Rosario, if it's maybe Corey Dickerson, who we're familiar with, some of these lower-end guys who are going to come in and give you some a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense, but they're left-handed hitters. If the Jays are going to make, but one, they're going to cost you nothing. If the Jays, if the Jays are going to make one more move before the season starts, I'd like to see it be a left-handed bat, whoever that may be, whether it's one of the guys on the free agent market, whether they go out and make a trade. Um, okay, listen, my, it, my question is to you: Would you rather them sign one of those lower end guys, or go and trade for a higher end guy, but you're losing prospect capital that could be used later towards the deadline when you know? We have a better idea of what you're missing. I think the lineup looks good the way it is now. I'm happy if you go out and you sign, um, to put it your way, one of those lower-end guys, one that's a little bit cheaper. I would like to see them do that, but if by the time this show gets out, they've made a trade. and Yeah, by the time this happens, they're they're going to trade for Ramirez and, and they'll sign Rosario. And if that and happens, yeah. if that's happened already, yay. <laughs> yay. Good for the good, Jays. Good for the Jays. We like the move, unless they happen to give up way more than they should, but I don't think that would be the case. Let's get into our guest this week because we have some more baseball talk coming your way. It is Pat Malacaro, the radio voice of the Buffalo Bisons, AAA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, joining us here on the Smitty Mitty Show. Pat, thanks for hopping on. Pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. You know, 24 hours ago as we record this, I was sitting in uh, in a stadium in Hamilton, Ontario, where it was in the 20s uh, Fahrenheit. Today it was 55 here in Buffalo and the snow melted. So it felt like baseball weather today after feeling like hockey weather yesterday oh we'll get to that uh, that <laughs> horrific game from a leaf side we'll get to that uh but we always start and it's really boring with any of the play-by-play voices or media people that we have on we love to talk about the origins how you got into me- media how you got into uh play-by-play and that's my specific question to you to be boring is why did you get into play-by-play specifically not journalism or not not you know interviewing not whatever but play by play well it started i've worked for the buffalo bisons for more than half of my life now and i'm uh, in my late 30s and i started as a bat boy in the in 1999 in high school because my aunt worked in the front office and pretty much you go back to that year that's when i kind of decided all right sports is fun like i've always played sports baseball hockey whatever my whole life but working in sports seems like fun so what what way can i get my foot in the door. And then it was, um, I, I became friends with the play-by-play announcer at the time and, and talked to him a lot about what he did, how he prepared for it and thought, this is what I kind of wanted to do. So uh, after four years as the bat boy, I went away to, to school at Syracuse University and and, uh, and went to journalism school there. And and I didn't really, uh, the typical path is you go, you work for a radio station, WAER. Uh, I didn't do that. Uh, I, I got into it late. So I didn't have the opportunity. Some of my friends did, but I kept in with the Bisons and just always wanted to do play-by-play um, from that time on. And and fast forward to when I graduated, I worked for the Batavia Muck Dogs, who are no longer an affiliate of baseball for a couple of years. And uh, Ben Wagner, who now is uh, with, with Sportsnet 590, the fan, uh, I, I got to know him a little bit through my Bisons connections. And in 2010, so what, 12 years and 11 seasons ago, I, I started working for the Bisons again. And uh, this has been my hometown team my whole life. And uh, what better team to, to call play-by-play for, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you grew up in South Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. And and it's sure, it's not the big leagues. It's not a major league baseball team. But I can imagine getting to call games for your hometown team, a team that you grew up watching, a team that you were the bat boy for, a team that uh, you've worked for, like you said, for more than half your life. It, it's, a, it's a pleasure every single day to get to be involved with the Buffalo Bisons program. No doubt about it. 
And, you know, I always tell people, this is my big leagues. And, you know, a lot of, I sure, would it be great to call games at Fenway Park, at Rogers Center, you know, all the classic stadiums, Dodger Stadium. I'd love that. I mean, there's nothing, there'd be nothing better. But to me, this is what was my ultimate goal. For, for most people, their ultimate goal is to be in the chair for 162 in the major leagues. Uh, if I get there, great. But uh, to me, I've reached that career milestone that I, that I always wanted. Um, it was become the Bisons, play-by-play guy, call a no-hitter, call a championship. And, you know, in, in 10 years, I was able to do all three. So uh, I've been very fortunate in that respect. Who had the no hitter? TJ Zoic for the Bisons in 2019. And it was a game that that was actually on Sportsnet too, is a night the Blue Jays were off and uh, Duke McGuire, my partner, who's worked for the Bisons for over 40 years. I mean, he's only seen two uh, since the Bisons came back to AAA baseball in 85. And uh, to me, that's going to be one of the most amazing moments uh, probably that I'll have the experience to witness because of what we see out of starting pitching these days and how guys just don't go nine innings anymore. I don't know if I'll see another one at AAA. It's crazy to say that. What was that, three years ago now? And we're talking about how much baseball has changed, right? I mean, it's crazy to think about that. Now you talked about all the people uh, that helped you get through, including Mr. Wagner, who is now, like you said, with uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan. How do you go about learning from those guys? Is it direct questions? Is it just learning as you go? How do you approach learning from, uh, I, don't, I don't want to say your superiors, but the guys who, who are taking those leaps that you want to take later? Yeah, a little bit is through osmosis where you just, you see what they do, observe, and, and kind of pick up some of the habits and the routines that they do. But I ask questions the whole way through. When I was an intern for Jim Rosenhaus, who's with the Cleveland Guardians now in 04 and 05, um, and that helped help me in my path to, to the, where I am today. I sat in the booth with, with him, with Rosie and, and Duke McGuire at the time. And then a couple of times I would go sit in the booth by myself, call a game and Rosie would critique me and, and help tell me, all right, this sounded okay, but how about if you tried it this way and, and just learning from them that way. And I, I still, you know, I've been do, uh, doing play-by-play for over 10 years, but I still want to get better. I still want to continue to get better. So I send my, my stuff to, to friends of mine that, that, that I want to, to critique it. And uh, I feel like people I know the best can be my, my best critics because yeah, we have a good relationship, but they can pick it apart. And, and, and I, re- I respect their opinion so much that if, if they tell me to, to do certain things a different way or, or to try a different, different technique, uh, those are things I'm still trying to improve on. Now, coming in, in in 2018 was your first full season as as the lead play-by-play guy with the Buffalo Bison. 2019, obviously, and then 2020 hits, right? The big pandemic, uh, things get shut down. As I understand, you were in Toronto, in uh, Dunedin, pardon me, with the Blue Jays spring training when everything shut down. Uh, how heartbreaking is that to finally get into a role? You're you're settling in. You're heading into year three, and then all this happens. It in perspective and and yeah it, it wasn't fun it wasn't great but there are a lot of people in worse situations than me and i'm not just saying that um you know a lot of friends of mine that maybe didn't get their play-by-play job back when when the pandemic uh when we started to get back to normal in 2021 or people that i know in different fields that you know didn't didn't have a job waiting for them on the other side of where we're at today so uh yeah it, it wasn't it's something we've all experienced and i feel like that's where um, you know, the perspective and, and where calling baseball and, and the Bisons being such a part of the community has been such a big help for, for us and, and wanting to, to help be part of 
what brings everybody back to normal. So um, it wasn't, you know, we, we've all lived through it. We all know how, how horrible it was, but um, you know, to, to be on the other side of it now, and there'll be 150 game baseball season this year for the Bisons um, if no rain outs uh, uh, along the way. So I'm just looking forward to that and, and kind of keeping that perspective on things that, you know, for, for as bad as the last 18, 24 months were, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot worse than I do. Now, I, uh, I did bring my Erie County Community College baseball hat with me uh, from, the, from the year I spent down there, which means I spent a lot of games hanging out down watching the Bisons. And I wonder when the Toronto Blue Jays moved in, took your home for almost two years, did that change Buffalo in any way? Did that make it more of a baseball town? Could it be more of a baseball town? Did it influence Buffalo at all? more baseball fans out of, of teams that they, we may not have known they were fans of. Like I myself grew up an Oakland A's fan. Like you wouldn't expect me to be a fan of them. It's basically the Yankees, the Red Sox and everybody else. And there's uh, in 2013, when the Bisons became affiliated with the Blue Jays, a lot more Blue Jay fans came out uh, out of the woodwork and, and came out and supported the team and have supported them for so many years now. But I just feel like there's that renewed sense of, and you have to go back to the late eighties, early nineties, when the Bisons were trying to be, an expansion team, the two franchises went to the Marlins in the Rockies. There was a big push from our ownership group. We were in that, you know, in those final conversations of who is it going to be and economics won out in big cities like Denver and Miami were, were the choice, but it was kind of that validation for, I think a lot of baseball fans in Buffalo that we never got the big leagues. We'll, we'll never have uh, a full-time big league team, but you know, a team that we were able to help out uh, for, for 2020 and 2021 was was something that we took a lot of pride in. And I think going forward, you'll see a lot of, a lot of baseball fans. Sure. What's gone on over this winter has soured some people, but I think by and large, you're going to see baseball fans in Buffalo with that renewed sense of pride that, that they, we were able to have professional major league baseball in Buffalo, that something hadn't happened since the late 1800s. Yeah, and I think as exciting as it was to have professional baseball, the, the biggest level, the major leagues come into your home ballpark and, and play a partial season there, there's going to be a lot of Buffalo residents that are better happy to have their Bisons back in the hometown ballpark. They'll be eager to go. Um, I know just between me and Mitty, we, we talked about how we were going to be so frustrated. You know, if the MLB cancels any games, we're going to boycott them. But as soon as that news broke, we're happy. We're already talking about going to the home opener. We're ready for baseball to be back. Right. And, and I feel like that's a lot of baseball fans right now. And, and look, there were a lot of growing pains in, in this offseason. And uh, the, the good news is, you know, have, I, I'm I'm young enough where I, I knew the 94 strike and, and knew, what, but I didn't know really what was going on. And, and then, you know, you, you grow up through the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa rebirth of baseball and how exciting that was. And, uh, you know, could there have been a strike in 2002 when when players were pretty much ready to board buses if they didn't get a deal done uh, late in that season. So we've gone through a lot of these situations in the past and being a hockey fan, I, I don't have to tell you guys what, what it was like in the early two thousands. I'm sure there were a lot of hockey fans uh, on this side of the border that said, I'm never going to go to another NHL game again uh, after canceling a full season and no Stanley cup. And here we were less than a year later with a full arena at, at key bank center uh, for two conference final runs for the Sabres. So um, I feel like, the fans will, will come back and, and, you know, it's going to take that effort from the players and the owners to, to kind of win some fans back. But, but also we've seen the personality of players start to show up in the last couple of years. And I think that's, what's going to win out and, and win a lot of people back is you see Vladdy, uh, you know, his, his attitude on the field, you see Bo, you see Tatis once he comes back, 
now from his injury. Um, all those young faces and, and faces of the game are going to make it uh, so much that much, much better. So you took us to the lockout, uh, the thing that's been on everyone's mind for the past, what, whatever, three, four months. It's an eternity, it seems like. And let's not talk about what happened with the major league part of the, C- the CBA, but let's talk about how it's going to affect the minor league players. Is there anything in there that you think is going to directly affect uh, the Buffalo Bison players? I don't think so because it got settled and um, the, the major league and minor league seasons are going to be two days apart. So uh, there were players for people that don't know, there were players that on the 40 man roster would not have been able to uh, join the Bisons. They were not a- allowed to take part in spring training, even if they weren't on the Blue Jays roster. Uh, and there were a couple of guys that were added to the 40 man this winter who had very good 2021 seasons and they were going to have to sit and wait. But now that the CBA is going to be ratified and players are joining uh, the spring training complexes, I don't see much of uh, of an issue. There might be a couple of guys, especially pitchers, that may need an extra couple of uh, weeks or a week or two more of preparation. But that may just mean, you know, somebody like Zach Logue starts in the bullpen for the Bisons or only goes two or three innings in his first couple of starts. And what does it mean for the big league rosters? I guess that's a little bit of what we, we need to know before uh, we'll really fully understand if, if the minor leagues short term, really the first month of the season in April, uh, would be impacted by maybe the larger roster uh, for, for, for this season or however long that would be, like a taxi squad again, or if there are guys like mentioned like Zach Logue or Bowden Francis who might just need to be stretched out more into a starting role where they, you know, uh, they're really only a week behind the minor league um, pitchers and catchers who reported all, a week and a half, almost two weeks ago. I got one more on the lockout, and then I think we'll move on to, to the current Blue Jays and all these things happening. If I was to give you the keys to a minor league CBA, what would be the first thing that you would want to tackle? Oh, that's a great one. I, I, I would, it's a lot of letting minor league teams be minor league teams. And I say that because um, the minor leagues, I feel like pro sports have taken a lot of what minor league baseball has done in the past of the, the wacky promotions, the in-between innings, making it a family atmosphere. And that's one thing I feel like the professional leagues all across the board have done a lot better job of instead of, yes, we know that the top players are what people pay the big money to see, but it's all, it's all the families and all all the other fans who might only come to one or two games a year. And yeah, they want to see their favorite players, but they also want a fun atmosphere and they want, they want something to, to bring them back next time. And so I would just, I wouldn't necessarily change anything, but I would just continue to allow minor league teams to have, the Star Wars nights, uh, the, the family campouts and things like that, that, that really fans have, have really in Buffalo at least loved and, and come to make a part of every summer. We've got a, a, a used to be July 3rd. Now it's July 4th with our schedule this year where the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra comes out, plays um, an incredible show. All those different things are what draw people to the ballpark only once a year maybe, but it's what keeps them coming back. And, and I, I would hate for minor league baseball to lose that magic. And I'm not saying it's going down that road, but just, I, I would want it to always stay that way. It's funny you bring up star Wars night. Cause I have a cousin here who is uh, currently living in Buffalo, not a baseball fan, but he says, you got to come down. We're going to go to star Wars night. Cause he's a huge star Wars fan. So obviously getting people into the ballpark that wouldn't normally be there. Uh, one question for you before we move on craziest promotion that you have seen in your years in the minor leagues. Oh man, now you're putting me on the spot. I mean, there- I mean, just one from our perspective, it was the keep Tom Brady suspended night where 
Uh, Tom Brady was suspended for the deflated footballs and anybody named Tom wasn't going to be allowed in the building. And if you, <laughs> if you traded in a Patriot jersey, you got and maybe a buy one, get one free ticket. So that's what I mean. The, those things that make you laugh, that, but maybe you come to the ballpark because of it. And then you see a top prospect that, you know, you, you don't know the Blue Jays from the Worcester Red Sox, but, you know, you don't know any of the rosters, but you come to the game, you have a good time. You have a hot dog and a drink and, you know, your kids come to the game with you. They have the cotton candy and they're amped up. And that's what makes minor league baseball so much fun. And I think that's, that's the stuff that, that really brings everybody back. One of the few times that we get to see the excitement in the minor league ballparks is when those major league players are on maybe rehab stints. And I remember when Jose Bautista was down on a rehab stint and that park was packed. It looked like a whole lot of fun. I maybe took your only example. Can you think of any that a major league player came down and was playing in front of you and you just thought, wow, he looks so much different than all these other players. Well, I mean, I go back to my days as a bat boy. And I, I mean, I can t- talk about guys like Doc Gooden, who he was in the back end of his career, but he was still Doc. I mean, he was still a great pitcher. Daryl Strawberry uh, rehabbed with Columbus at one time. I was the bat boy when Manny Ramirez uh, rehabbed with the Bisons for, for a couple of games. So you go back to those days and then you look at uh, whether it was Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, um, you know, there's just been so many, so many players in like last year, Ross Stripling, he's just had a, a very nice couple of years for the Blue Jays. And he came down and you can just tell the, the way these guys prepare. And it's a little bit, you know, you see other young pitchers that, that maybe haven't been exposed to it as much. Maybe they haven't been in big league camp before. And they watch how Ross goes through his preparations just for one inning of work, but it's in a, you know, a starting capacity. So he's got to get ready the same way he does if he was going to throw a hundred pitches and a lot of that stuff rubs off. And that's the stuff I look for is, you know, who's kind of looking and who's kind of watching and, and kind of learning. And, and those guys tend to be ones that maybe have an uh, under the radar type season or guys that find their way to a, a big league roster. All right. We got spring training just around the corner here, getting underway the season coming up shortly and you're getting ready to call games again, looking on and you're kind of getting a sense of who's going to be on the Bisons this year. Is there anyone that really excites you? You look at their name and you say, yeah, I can't wait to call a few games with this guy in the lineup. Well, and it's so unique for me this year because I only got to call a handful of games, about 45, 50 games last year. So guys like Kevin Smith, I I got a taste of seeing them in action, but I didn't get a full season. Otto Lopez joined us late in the year last year and was electric. So what, what does he do this year? Does Aurelvis Martinez find his way to Buffalo this season? Does Logan Warmoth, who played primarily outfield for the Bisons last year, but in talking to Ben Wagner a couple of weeks ago, he's curious if Warmoth, who was drafted as an infielder, goes back to the, to the diamond and, and plays infield a little bit this year. So those are the guys that I'm really looking forward to. It's a, it's a year where the Bisons, I feel like, are going to have a very similar team now that um, the, the entire roster is available to, to the herd it'll be a very similar 2022 roster. And this is the one that we saw win the division last year in 2021. So um, it may not be anybody new. Well, Gabriel Moreno, he only was in Buffalo for one homestand at the end of the season last year, a couple of games. Then he went to the fall league and played so well. And Graham Spraker went to the fall league and had a, a great uh, year, a great uh, month or so in Arizona. And he's somebody we saw a little bit in a relief capacity for the Bisons last year came in and actually pitched for the team in 19 uh, and coming up from Dunedin in a spot start where he was in way, way over his head, but pitched up to the competition. So what does Graham Spraker do this year in, in adding to the rotation? There's a lot of guys that 
that maybe there's no new names necessarily besides Martinez and Moreno, but just a lot of guys I'm looking forward to seeing over a full season. One of the biggest question marks we have with the Toronto Blue Jays now that the starting rotation looks phenomenal is Nate Pearson and what's going to happen. You've been able to see Nate Pearson a lot more than we have in the major leagues. What are we missing with Pearson? What, what is he, what can he be? Uh, why is he falling short? I know I'm asking you a lot of philosophical questions, but break down Nate Pearson for me. Yeah, and it's a situation where you see someone like Alec Manoa have just three starts in AAA last year and then light up the major leagues like, like we haven't seen recently. So a guy like Nate Pearson, I think with where he is now, the stuff was still electric when he came back off of his um, injury last year. And that's a big part of his story was an injury crept up. He wanted to pitch through it. And I know the, there have been injuries in the past for Nate Pearson, ones where, you know, he's hit by a comebacker and, and fractures his arm. You can't do anything about that. But last year, he pitched through injury in the final month or so of the season. And I think the best spot for Nate Pearson is going to be in the bullpen because he can throw over 100, um, you know, max effort for an inning or two. You don't necessarily need him to be your closer right now uh, with the, the options you have. But can you work him into that role over the next season or so? And I think that's what would make him most effective. I think that's where the Blue Jays uh, might be best suited in using him in the future. Because like you said, you know, the addition of Kikuchi now uh, today, um, you know, I know he's a lefty, but it's really solidifying a rotation where you do have guys down here in Buffalo, potentially in Bowden Francis, in Zach Logue, who can be, uh, you know, six, seven, eight guys, so to speak, in your rotation. You don't need Nate Pearson to be your four or five. If he's, if he's your dominant setup man, soon to be dominant closer, that kind of fills a need the Blue Jays may have. Um, you know, adding a tandem with Jordan Romano, that's, a, that's one heck of a tandem, you know, eighth and ninth inning. Yeah, Quick question. We, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Tyler. Sorry, if they, if they were to trade Nate Pearson, is that, is that a dire mistake? Uh, tell me what the return is, right? I mean, if, 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 you, if you make a trade and it's an area of need for this team, Right now, maybe you, you, if you want to say, you know, they, they really need, they you feel that Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s best spot is going to be third base, which I know a lot of the rumors today about Freddie Freeman potentially being the option of first base. So maybe that's not the route you go. But if, if you need, if you feel like you have a need at a position and Nate Pearson or, you know, whoever, whatever prospect, like we saw last year, Simeon Wood Richardson being a part of it and Austin Martin being that those pieces in, in the trade that to Minnesota uh, for Barrios. I mean, that's, that was a wild trade and a, and a blockbuster deal and, and it filled the need for both teams. So I think that's what you're looking at. And that's one area, uh, if you guys don't mind, I really feel like Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have done a very good job. And you go beyond that trade. I mentioned Bowden Francis a couple of times now. He was the minor league player, not throwing, but he wasn't the name in the Rowdy Telez trade necessarily for the average person. And he worked his way out of the 40-man roster uh, at the end of the season because of how well he pitched coming over in the trade from Milwaukee. So there's one thing I know about the Blue Jays front office is they have a very good scouting staff and they, they really have a good eye for what is a good trade for the organization and what might just be a good baseball trade for both sides. We have this uh, thing here on the Smitty and Mitty show called the curse of the Smitty and Mitty show where, where we talk about things and then they happen like six hours after we record. So you brought up the name Freddie Freeman. And I'm now sitting here crossing my fingers that before this gets released, the curse of the Smitty and Mitty show. Before happens. this goes out, Nate Pearson is traded and Freddie Freeman signs. <laughs> those, those two things will happen quickly. You got to tell us about Tim Horton's field yesterday. How was it? Oh, it, was, it was a blast. 
blast. I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I grew up playing hockey myself. So, you know, to, and my dad built an outdoor rink in our backyard. So um, to be sitting rinkside um, for WGR, uh, the, the radio station I work for here in Buffalo uh, with our reporter, Paul Hamilton, he and I went up on Saturday, watched the, the practice, got a lay of the land, and then to see it, uh, you know, with 26,000 people uh, around us in the stadium was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I didn't, I, I mean, I've watched CFL games in the past. I knew about, um, you know, Tim Hortons field and uh, it being newer, uh, newer stadium and, and wanting to get up to a CFL game. I didn't realize how tight into that neighborhood that the stadium is and how you can live almost fall out of your front door and fall into the stadium. I thought that was really cool. So, you know, those, those little quirks and little intricacies uh, made a lot of fun. It was a Leafs home game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, even though it was a quote unquote Sabre home game, uh, you know, it was probably what 22, 23,000 Leaf fans of the 26,000. Um, but uh, you know, I, I would do it again in a chance. If I had the chance to be ringside again, uh, it was, it was a blast. Yeah, I can imagine we were watching from here. And uh, for a mid-March outdoor game, I was a little bit skeptical on what the weather was going to be, but I think it it picked the perfect weekend to be outside because it was freezing cold on a Sunday afternoon. And it, overall, it looked like, did you go to the game in Buffalo a few years back when they had an outdoor game? So um, were you working it? Was it the similar, different atmosphere? Yeah, so I actually, that, the first Winter Classic, I was a fan. I worked the the second one where the Sabres played at City Field against the Rangers. Uh, I was working that for WGR. The, the conditions were almost identical to the Winter Classic against the Penguins, where you had that snow globe effect at the start of the game where you know, the snow was falling, the temperatures were in the 20s Fahrenheit, and it, it, was, it was cold, but it wasn't bone-chillingly cold, at least. Although I have a friend who um, drove from Buffalo and was sitting in the upper deck yesterday and he said the wind was cutting through him pretty good. So at field level, it wasn't as windy as it was probably in other parts of the stadium. But uh, definitely those conditions yesterday um, reminded me, I, I said to Paul, it, it totally reminded me of the way it was for the game at then Ralph Wilson Stadium uh, in 2008. And I just love it. I've been to a handful. I, I've been to the one in, in Chicago. I went to the one at Fenway. It's just, just something about you know, going to those unique events. And I know they're a regular season game. I know two points are still on the line. And if you're a Leaf fan sitting here today, you're saying we, we lost two points in an outdoor game and in, you know, in a promotional game, but, but uh, it still is a lot of fun. And I, I hope the league continues to do stuff like this with the, the heritage classic, the outdoor games and all, and all that stuff. Well, Pat, we are basically up against the wall here. So uh, we thank you for joining. It's been a pleasure to talk baseball and a little bit of hockey on the back end with you here. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk again. Good luck when the season does get underway. And uh, hopefully it will be a fantastic season for you coming up. Thanks so much, guys. And let me know when you come down to Buffalo. I'd love to see you at Salem Field. Goldline Curling is having their end-of-season sale. Shoes, brooms, jackets, pants, whatever you need, you'll find it on sale. Check out the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life Financial Advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Tyler Middleton and Noah Smith saying thank you to Mr. Pat Malacaro, voice of the Buffalo Bisons of the AAA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays for joining us. An amazing conversation with that gentleman. He also gave us an idea because he said 
hey, if you guys are ever down here, let me know. We'd love to meet up. And I think it wasn't a real, it wasn't real. But at the same point, we now have booked. We are going down May 6th. We're going to see the Blue Jays in Cleveland. We're going to hit Buffalo on the way home. It went from like nothing on Tuesday. And now we have a whole American trip. It wasn't out. not real. That That's not the right terminology. I just don't think it was a full-fledged invitation. I don't think he Come actually anticipated us me. agreeing to do it. It was right? one of those nice... It's, it's like when, when Sesselman, when Lauren Sesselman said, come on down to, to LA for the Super Bowl. If we just showed up, it would be weird. That yeah. would be a weird and situation. And I don't know if she'd let us in. Like, I... She might feel bad. I think she was nice enough she, that she would let she us in. She might feel bad that we drove or flew all the way to LA, and then she'd let us in for like half an hour and then kick us out, but... Definitely not a uh, full-on invitation like we thought it was. No, it wasn't a real conversation. There wasn't a real invitation at all. Although we are going to get in contact with Pat, and we will make sure we stop by and see him and say hi and uh, maybe get a little tour around Salem Park Our in first, Buffalo that my, my first AAA baseball game. Oh, I've been to I dozens. I know you said you've been to a bunch, but that would be my first triple a ball game so that would be exciting for me i can't wait to go and see we're like you said we're going to piggyback it off a jays in cleveland to take on the guardians saturday night book it to buffalo for sunday for an afternoon game durham bulls buffalo bisons big old weekend oh i didn't Boys know it was durham it was durham it's durham that's in town i'm pretty sure 95 percent sure there are so many we have to have a whole lot of signs for that one right hit the bull breathe through your eyes live chicken we got to have all those things or we could dress dress as a bull or is that a little too far and stand out in the outfield and say hit the bull yeah i don't think they have any outfield seats there have you seen that movie i feel like you're not on the same wavelength Uh, i am but like it wasn't i honestly didn't love bull durham what that's the best baseball movie ever made no it's not yes it is that is that is a far and away the best baseball movie that has ever been made top two so therefore number two no, it is number one. Then mm. you can have the major leagues. Don't even. I'm a big, I'm a big even, major league guy. Don't even say Sandlot because that's not even making no. my top five. I would put uh, number one, major league. Number two, Boulder. I'm number three, Field of Dreams. Um, yeah, that's probably my top three. The rookie. The rookie was good, but is it a top five? Angel in the outfield. It was okay. Bad News Bears. That's a good one. The right? new one. The new one. I like the new one. Like that with, sneaks with, uh, into top with, five. Billy Bob this is not where we expected this segment to go. But I, I don't anybody show Instagram. I don't think, and... I don't think <laughs> Sandlot is a top. It might be five. Might be five. I on think. My it, list. I think it's one of those movies that it's like we watched Princess Bride the other day with uh, with uh, my mother in law, and that's one of those cult bad movies. I think the Sandlot is so bad that people. They they hold on to it like it's because it's their childhood. You know what I mean? They don't want to like. It's not bad. It. It's not a bad movie. It's not a good movie. Nah. No, a, a lot of movies aren't really good. We just love them for being. It's a bunch of kids memories, playing, just playing pickup baseball exactly. and running away and from it, a dog. It reminds everyone of their childhood, right? <laughs> like that's why people connect with the Sandlot so much. People can't connect with the rookie because they weren't a high school teacher that went to the big leagues. People um, like that movie because it's a true story. Steve, Steve, Steve Delabar. There you go. I thought you were going to say Steve Jobs. No, nope, I was Steve like, I Delabar. don't think he pitched in the majors. He, Steve Delabar, was a high school teacher who made it to the major leagues. But I think he had a, a career before that, no? No. Okay. Well, well he played baseball, but he would not to a high level. And then he got onto weighted balls, and all of a sudden he was throwing 93, and he made the major leagues. 
Anyways, let's get to some <laughs> baseball talk here. We've already wasted about five minutes here of this uh, last full segment of the show. And there is big baseball news that we didn't get to talk about on the radio show last week because we just missed it, of course, recorded the show, CBA signed, CBA, baseball back, and we missed it, as per usual. That's what always happens here. Curse of the Smitty Mitty Show, we record, something happens 24 hours later. So standouts. Let's get into a couple standouts quickly. We'll get some thoughts. Biggest one okay, for you. Go. What's your biggest standout? My biggest. Just give me your biggest standout on the CBA. What's the thing you're most excited for? Most excited for? Or I think that's going to be the most <laughs> that I think is the biggest. Okay. Most excited? I'm excited that there's more teams in the playoffs. We're going to get to see these Blue Jays in the playoffs. I don't think we were in danger of that anyways. I like that. Now, d- the most impactful thing I think that's in this CBA is easily the pre-R pool, $50 million pulled together by the teams that are going to um, the young players that affect the game and affect the league in a positive way. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Tatis, guys who are still on rookie contracts that should be making more than minimum wage. I also like the fact minimum wage going up to seven fifty from that 500 mark. I really like the DH coming to the National League. Okay, You know what? We didn't talk about it a whole lot on the podcast last week, but I feel like... Uh, we didn't talk about it because it's just been a long time coming. People knew that the DH was eventually going to be removed from baseball. It was just a matter of time. Was it going to be this CBA? Was it going to be next? Were we going to wait? Um, they made the move to it. No DH in the National League going forward. We've seen the last of pitchers hitting while they pitch. And you know what? I think it's a good move for baseball, right? You get better bats into the lineup. Nine times out of ten, you didn't want to see the pitcher hit. It was a terrible at bat. So it can only be good things for the baseball. And, of course, you know, the expanded playoffs. It's going to be great, right? Who doesn't love playoff baseball? I also, something we didn't talk about on the podcast either, there is a a thing that come 2025, I believe, the players um, can either agree or deny the um, international player draft, which I think is a really good thing. I think it's a good thing. The players, or the owners don't like it, or sorry, the owners like it, players don't like it. They want the, the international players to be able to sign wherever they want, not get drafted. I think from a standpoint of teams that constantly get those international players because they have international money and they have money to spend, uh, that there should be an availability for those players to go to Tampa Bay, to go to Houston, to go to places. Houston's not a great... Yeah. yeah Houston just came out of my mouth. But to go to these places that don't have the money uh, to spend on international free agents, I really like that. I hope it gets ratified uh, come two, two, three years from now when it's supposed to. I think those are all very interesting things. Obviously, um, a whole lot more in the CBA. We talked about it more on the podcast this past week. So if you want more information, obviously look it up on the internet It's yourself, or you can go listen to the podcast that was released, episode 79. Find it anywhere you get your podcast. We talk a whole lot more about the CBA and all the details it entails. Um, so yeah, go check that out as well. Mitty, with baseball being on hold for 99 days while they waited to sign the CBA, Obviously, everything else was on hold, and now in the, what has it been, less than a week, just over a week since uh, the CBA was signed, free agents signing left and right, trades finally happening. I feel like this is a frenzy that was just waiting to happen for 99 days. We went from nothing to do with baseball to everything to do with baseball. We, couldn't even, so we couldn't even talk about baseball in the show, it and felt like. Earlier in the we week, it's... It, it's, it's 15 degrees it's 20 degrees it's so nice out i want to pit like my arm just automatically starts hurting knowing that we're getting close to throwing a baseball we're planning to go on a trip with all these moves 
I am definitely going to end up there on opening weekend if I can, if I can help it. Uh, I'm going to try and get the family there for the Sunday game, maybe. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Blue Jays baseball is back. Uh, baseball is back in general. They're amped up. They're ready to go. We're getting in, we're into playoffs for hockey. We're going to get there to NHL playoffs coming real soon. This is the best time for sport. Well, the best time for sports, easily, the spring. But the second best time for sports right now. This is the major leagues of base of sports times. It's number two. Okay, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you this. I'm right now going to ask you this. No, you're not. Who wins the CBA? Who won it? The fans, because oh we get baseball goodness, back. Goodness, that is such. Because we get baseball that back. That is such a. Oh, that is such a Noah answer. Every time you give answers, can you just give me an answer? The only answer is the owners. The owners always win. The owners always. The players were not going to win, regardless of how that was signed. The players were not going to win because the owners won't let them win. At the end of the day, the owners always will get the upper hand, right? They didn't have to um, end up playing really any more than. They were probably figuring they were going to. Um, everything kind of worked out in their favor. And at the end of the day, they don't have to miss any Major League Baseball games. Owners win, hands down. I think it was the players. I think the players are champions here. Now, did they get everything they wanted to get? No. Did they make significant moves towards an even share with the with the owners? Or at least towards getting what they deserve? Yes, they good made moves, good they moves. made incredible I wouldn't say they made moves. Significant it was significant. Moves. They went from a zero R pool to fifty million dollars. They got the owners That's to bump nothing up nothing to the owners. They got the owners to bump up the um, the minimum wage two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They got the owners to agree to a universal DH. That was kind of something the players wanted, anyways. That, like they did so many things that brought them back towards their median towards them actually making some money the the players association for the mlb has for a long time been the weakest players organization in all of sports and they finally showed something they finally showed that they are willing to fight for their players just a little bit and the owners it it, it took a lot for the owners to come to where they came to a lot just a little bit just a little bit it took all it i still think the owners win the Let's just put it this way, that even with the deal getting ratified, four of the owners still voted no. And it was the richest owners. I believe it was Houston, um, New York, New York, and I want to say the Dodgers were the ones that voted it down because they didn't want some things. The luxury tax. The players got that increased by almost $30 million. Do you know what that? how big that is? Do you know how huge that is? It means more guys can sign for more money. Because more than half of the league, who is nowhere close to that level, does not want that to move at all. Because as soon as it moves, now the Dodgers can spend more. Now the Yankees can spend more. And we're getting to the point where the Blue Jays can spend more because they're getting pretty close to that tax limit too. Steve Cohen has his own bracket. It's like $290 million that he can't go over or something, and he's already right there. These teams are already spending money, so the, the littler teams don't want the bigger teams to be able to spend more. So that is huge that they even got any votes for that like there were massive movements for the owners you could tell that they were weak the owners were getting weak where they needed to make money they were looking bad and they made some huge concessions here i still think the fans are the winners here yes we the fans, the fans are the winners because baseball 
is back. What, Spring training what way underway. Are the fans the winners? Everyone we wins. don't see any of this Everyone money. Everyone wins. Everyone wins. The fans are actually probably the losers because all this extra money is going to come right back from our pockets. Ticket prices are going to go up. Concession prices are going to go up. They're, the owners don't pay the money. The, yeah, the, the well, fans we don't pay the money. Uh, yeah, but we also don't have to go to games. I don't have to buy tickets. I'm sure. We just finished talking about how excited we are for baseball to be back. You don't think people are going to go to that bill? I bet. <sighs> yeah, but ticket prices aren't up. We looked online. Ticket prices are not up. The secondary markets are up. That's a different story. Who buys from? If you could have to buy from the secondary markets to a baseball game, then you got some problems. We actually do have a hockey guest joining us next week as do we'll we? talk to uh, referee Dave Jackson. Are we? Because I know we teased him last week we on this te- very radio show. We teased show. him last week that he would be on this week, but now for sure he will be on next week. We promise. We promise. We and this promise. time we this time we won't change. We won't change. And I'm very, very excited to get to talk to a fellow official. So uh, a guy who's done over 1,500 NHL games, who has tons of stories to share, and also works for ESPN doing their uh, analysis from the officiating side. So very, I'm very, very, very excited. We promise he will come next week for anyone else who is excited. Yes. And it might it just will, be me. Yes. Uh, it's not going to be just you. It'll be a good talk. Um, if you are involved in minor hockey in any way, and you've seen some of the stuff that the officials go through, this will be a good conversation. You know if you just enjoy the sport and don't get to hear officials talk very much. Yes. He is an extremely smart gentleman and a guy who has done it for a very long time. Very, very, very smart and uh, a hockey mind, right? You don't always think about the officials as the hockey minds, but they're out there on the ice just as much as everyone else watching the game. Uh, he will join us next week, so you don't want to miss it here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. That does it for us this week here on the TSMS Radio Network. Big thank you to our sponsors, Goldline Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial in King Carden. Life is brighter under the sun. We'll see you next week here from the Smitty and Mitty Show Studios.